0: That I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend to pink foam pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and I'm glad you're joining me today. We got a good one for you today, guys. Um have you ever thought about homesteading with a tiny house? but just don't know where to begin, or is it even something that's right for you? You know, the question I had is, is homesteading while living in a tiny house even practical? Well, on today's podcast episode, I have a conversation with Ryan Mitchell from thetinylife.com, and he answers questions like these and others. So uh, stay tuned for that. This is episode 104, August 24th, 2018, and today we are talking about tiny house homesteading. Guys, it has been a crazy, crazy week around here. Man, I tell you, uh, this is not only the busiest time of the year on the homestead. I mean, with the harvesting and the preserving and all the things you have to do, it's also the busiest time of the year at my day job. So it's like really long hours, working Saturdays. Even don't have the you know when you don't even have the whole weekend to try to do a week's worth of work. <laughs> it's tough, you know. And boy, I'll tell you, and, and you know, it's not even I. I always take that extra step even, and I do a lot of seed saving. So it's, it's harvesting, you know, it's, it's preserving. So you're doing a lot of canning, a lot of freezing, a lot of things you're doing there, you know, preparing your food for the winter and then i'm you know digging in late at night trying to save seeds out of things i've got a little table set up on my back deck and you know i've got stuff uh, set up everywhere trying to save a lot of seeds you know i got i've cut the tops off all the sprouting uh lettuce and i've got all that sitting out there and we're trying to get the seeds out of that And we got beans a pile of uh, dried up beans and peas and you know just all the things that uh, we're trying to save the seeds from we got some tomatoes we've got some cucumbers <laughs> we've got all kinds of stuff out there we're trying to get the seeds out of that and you know that takes some time and Dry those out, and you know, just a lot going on, you know. And, and like I said, my day job is just crazy right now. But I want to get these episodes out to you. We've got some great stuff, great interviews. We've got a lot of great questions that folks have been sending in. But I've been really looking forward to today's show uh, with this interview with Ryan. Uh, Ryan Mitchell uh, blogs over at thetinylife.com. He's got a great website. You got to go check that out. And uh, he's an author of several books. Really great information there. If you've ever been interested in tiny house building, but we're just going to jump right into this conversation with with Ryan. I think you're really going to like it today. Well, Ryan, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, uh, now I've been to your blog, The Tiny Life. I really like it, and, and you know when I say that, I I really mean it. I look at a lot of blogs, websites, and I'll tell you what that's a that's a good looking website you got there. It really is. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, now. When it comes to tiny living, I, I often wonder, how does someone arrive there? Uh, how did how did uh, Ryan become the tiny house guy? <laughs> how did you end yeah, up where you're at? Yeah.
1: So for me, it, it kind of all started back when the re- recession kicked off in 2008. And I was fresh out of graduate school in my first adult job. And I remember very vividly the day that the owner of the company walked into kind of the main floor that we had there. And he said, guys, I have some bad news. Today is the last day. We're closing the company. You're all out of a job. Mm. And that just hit like a ton of bricks, obviously. I mean, not only because I lost my job, but it was like, you know, my first job, six months out. And it, you know, all the the, the rumblings of the recession that we had kind of heard about kind of came into real life very quickly. Mm-hmm and it was also kind of a a wake up moment, moment for me because y, you know I was kind of taught or or given the impression that you know you go to school, you do a good job, you get good grades, you get your degree, then you go out and you find a job and as long as you work hard and you do good work then you should have job security mm-hmm. and here i was not even 6 months into this and realizing that that wasn't necessarily the case, or at least it wasn't the reality of my generation. Right. It, and a lot of people can kind of, you, know, you can go two ways with that, right? You can be pessimistic, you can be down, you can be negative about it. Uh, but for me, I, I kind of like bucked up and I was just like, I never want to be in this position again. And so I uh, did a lot of thinking about my life, and uh, being that I was at the beginning of my career, I knew that was the time to make any changes that I wanted to. Uh, so through a lot of reflection and thinking, I ended up uh, saying, you know, maybe I want to go a different career path or a different way of working, kind of. And we can get into that a little bit later. But uh, one of the things was I looked at my budget and I saw housing was one of my largest cost mm-hmm. every single month. Uh, about half my income went to rent utilities, insurance, things like that. And I said, you know, crazy question. How could I just get rid of this line item? And I had no idea how I was going to do it at that point. But I knew if I was able to do it, I could basically regain half my income every single month, which would be huge. You know, everyone would love that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So what I ended up doing is taking some time and thinking about it. And I stumbled across this concept of tiny houses. This was again, like 2008. So almost no one was doing it. There certainly weren't websites about it. There weren't instructions or books or courses or YouTube videos, really. Um, and I kind of latched on to the idea. And that kind of started my journey of actually going on and building a tiny house. And now I've been living it for over five years off the grid. And uh, eventually left my corporate job to be self-employed and a whole bunch of other things in that that journey
0: so you did build your your tiny house yourself yes Mm -hmm. okay wow well yeah that's you know and it kind of leads me to the uh the question because you know i watch some tv and what i always see on tv is these tiny houses that cost more than my regular house so Mm -hmm. now i'm assuming that wasn't the case with you building it yourself, but uh, can you save a lot of money building a tiny house? I mean, when I see it on TV, it's completely the opposite.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, tiny houses, in my mind, on only work financially if you build it yourself, mm-hmm. or at least the majority of it, because uh, whether it's a tiny house or a traditional home, fifty to sixty percent of the embodied cost of a home mm-hmm. is labor, and you know, I was at the point fresh out of college still had student loans, you know, I had a car payment, all that kind of stuff. And I I needed to save as much money as I could. I needed to do it as inexpensively as I could. And you know, I wanted to have a nice home. It didn't need to be super fancy, but I also didn't want to be just bottom of the barrel kind of stuff either mm-hmm. because it was my house that I was going to live in for at least the foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah, it was very clear to me that I need to build it myself, and you can save a lot on yeah. on it. So I think it's the way to, to
0: approach it, if yeah. you ask me. Yeah, because when I see that, you know, and that's something that's always just been kind of a, as fascinating as the lifestyle is to me of tiny living, the minimalistic mm-hmm. lifestyle, all that. Uh, I would see those things, you know, you see that on TV and you just go, wow, <laughs> that just seems crazy to me. And, and you've seen it. They're going for 80, 90, $100,000 oh, yeah. on there and you're crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. You'd pretty much have to, to, to do it in a, in a way that this saves you a lot of money to do it. Now, why, why a tiny house versus an RV or camper or something like that? Yeah.
1: So I think initially for me, it was the aesthetics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a camper RV. I don't particularly, you know, I, I don't mind the look, but it's also, it's not a house in my mind. Right. And a tiny house is, you know, very much they, you know, the stereotypical, uh, house shape and look and feel. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, tiny houses are built like a home. They operate like a home. Whereas campers and RVs, are, are technically s- seasonal vehicles, you know, they're recreational vehicles. They aren't intended to be year round living. Now there's certainly people that do and they, they do it just fine. Uh, but you know, it, it's still, it's not apples to apples there. You know, right. the, the walls of my tiny house are like R20. Mm-hmm. You may get an R6 in a good, camper or RV, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just like thermally, it's not going to perform the same, uh, aesthetically, it's not going to look the same. And then functionally, uh, with like HVAC and all that kind of stuff, it just, it has a lot of advantages over
0: RV and camp. Well, I know even in, uh, in a lot of campgrounds and stuff, uh, folks are going to those park model homes more than, uh, traditional campers and stuff, just because of, like you say, the, the looks of it, you know, people just want it to look like a home, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that, even around where I live here. Uh, well, so so you you decided that uh, you wanted to save money and uh, build you a uh, a tiny home. Uh, how did you go about that? I mean, how did you decide where you were going to put it? What kind you were going to build? I mean, you did all this yourself. Did you have a lot to learn? Did you already know a lot about construction, or how what got you down this path here?
1: Yeah, so I I knew nothing about any of it. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it, it was the worst. Like, it was the most ill-conceived notion at the beginning. Uh, you know, I took an eighth-grade shop class where I built, like, a bat box,
0: okay? <laughs> a little, little bit know? of difference, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's like, uh, I at least I used tools for a very short amount of time, but that was when I was in eighth grade. You know, at mm-hmm. this point, I was 20 some, 23 or 24. So it had been, like, over a decade so yeah, I didn't really have a lot of experience with building or construction or home building, anything like that. But it was something that I, I just knew the winds were going to be so big. So it was worth it for me to struggle through it mm-hmm. and learn and take the time and put in the energy to do it. So what I did is basically I talked to some people who had actually built them. I got as many books as I could on traditional home building and just researched it. And then every single week, what I would do is I'd figure out what I was going to do that weekend. And then I would research Monday through Thursday – Every single night that I would come home on like how to do the things. So if it was like okay. how to put in a window, I learned how to flash it and how to you know nail the fins and all this kind of stuff. And then on Thursday night I would make a shopping list, and then Friday night I would go after work and I would purchase what I need for the weekend and then drop it off at my my location that I'm, I was building at. And then Saturday morning I just woke up early and I would build all weekend. So I built all weekend most weekends uh, for about a year and a half. And there was a, a one point that I was waiting about three months on a window because it was a custom-made window and they, they messed it up. And then it, I had to wait another month for them to come back. So there was some downtime in that that year and a half. But on the calendar, it was about a year and a half of, of just a lot of hard work,
0: a lot of research, and <laughs> some trial and error, to be honest. Oh, no, yeah.
1: It's not yeah, like you were committed
0: it, though to put that that long of a time into putting it together.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when I bought the trailer, I was like, well, I just dropped twenty five hundred bucks on this trailer. You know, like I'm committed, right? You know, like I was all in at that point. And you know, it, it was one of those unique times I think in life where I was I was building a future for myself. You know, like you go to school and those things are good, and but they're not tangible like me actually building mm-hmm. a home so there was something really special about that process. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there was a lot of excitement for me and just like, you know, people were getting interested in tiny houses. So I was able to share my story on the tinylife.com, which is the website.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, more and more people started showing up to the website to to share in my journey with me. And so that was a really fun part of it also. So, yeah, I mean, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life also one of the more meaningful things.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing better than, uh, you know, just building something with your own hands and then uh, especially something is, you know, is a big a part of your life is as, as your home, you know, for sure. Yeah. Now, uh let me just ask you. I'm going to ask you how much you paid for your home or what it cost you to build your home, but what what can a person reasonably you know, be looking at to build a tiny home if they're going to build it themselves? Yeah,
1: so if you build it yourself, Basically, the, the the least you're going to spend if you just go all new materials mm-hmm. is $10,000. Mm-hmm. And that's for, you know, budget economy versions of everything. So sure. vinyl flooring, off the shelf windows, uh, you know, maybe cheap siding, mm-hmm. asphalt shingle roofs and things like that. And then you can go up from there. I mean, obviously, the the sky's the limit. But most people, when they build it themselves, usually end up landing around $30,000 for uh, a self-built tiny house.
0: And And what size of homes are these generally? uh, It's usually between 150 and 300 square feet.
1: So obviously, like, the larger the home, uh, the more money it's going to cost, unless you go budget, you know, that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. for my tiny house, it was about $35,000 uh for for all the materials and things like that, and mine was you know used some pretty nice materials and then I also saved up and I was able to basically get a solar panel system, which if the first like kind of chunk that I did was around fourteen thousand dollars that I spent on that, and then I later put another six thousand dollars into it for some more panels and batteries but uh, yes. So all, all told, you know, it was about 34,000, I think was the final number for me personally.
0: But you're completely off the grid. I mean, you, you're running just your solar panels, electricity and.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I have city water. That's the, the one thing I have a lake or like a, a, a large pond. I don't know where yeah. pond ends and lake begins, but, <laughs> uh, so basically this large pond that I could have, uh, actually, you know, done filtering from and all this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. and it technically was possible and I kind of actually figured it out and priced it out and everything but at the end of the day I was like you know what it's there's a city water line right there and it's gonna cost me about the same amount sure. and I have to run the pipe anyway so I am connected to the city water uh, but my my power um, I'm not connected to any grid at all so I get all my power from my solar panels and then I use a composting toilet Uh, Mm -hmm. instead of like a sewer line. And then my my gray water goes out through a pipe into a gray water system.
0: Okay. Now, did you purchase land to set this on, or did you uh, put it uh, like on some rented land, or how did you do that? Yeah, so uh, where I'm living now is
1: actually a friend's land, and basically I just barter with him. Mm. Um, But recently I just purchased uh, 11 just over 11 and a half acres in the mountains uh, for me to eventually move on to. So I, I really like living in the city, uh, but now I also have this mountain land that I can live on to. And one nice thing about the tiny house is if I ever don't want to live in the city anymore, I just roll my tiny house up to the mountain land and set up camp there, and I'm, I'm good to go. That That wouldn't even take a day to move all my house and everything to set up.
0: Now, yeah, let me ask you about that. how How realistic it is, is it moving these things? I mean, are you're not driving down the road at full speed or anything. This is a it's a pretty heavy house, right? Yeah, my house is 6,500 pounds. Okay. So, and it's 19 feet long. Okay.
1: So, so it's you, movable, you can. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely movable, and you know, for like truckers, that's that's a small load. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to make sure you have the right truck to pull it with. Yeah. I mean, I've moved it once and it was not difficult at all. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to do it every single weekend, but you know, when I need to, I can do it without much hesitation.
0: I, I hear sometimes these people talk about building a tiny home and then pulling it across the country. And I'm like, eh, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. No, get yourself a
1: camper or yeah, something like yeah, that. Right. I, I mean, I have friends that do that. They, they've driven thousands, tens of thousands of miles at this point. And they get like five miles per gallon, yeah. so they they literally keep a part time job just to pay for gas. <laughs> uh,
0: no thanks. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. So, okay, here's the we're gonna we're kind of wrap this up, bring it to the question that I want to us to focus on for a few minutes here, and that is, yeah. how does tiny house living and homesteading go together? Because it's always been a struggle of mine to look at the tiny lifestyle, not not minimalism necessarily. Uh, but having small space, uh, in the sense that, you know, part of homesteading for me is self-sufficiency and sustainability. You know, I can a lot of food. I I mean, I live in a, you know, three bedroom home and we have trouble finding places to put all the stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're canning and, and, and having for, you know, to to have a self-sufficient life to some extent. So I guess my question is this. Do you, do you sacrifice, um, a little bit of self-sufficiency for that, that, um, a small living lifestyle. Yeah, so that's a good question.
1: So what I would kinda say is basically that it it's all about designing the life that, that you want mm-hmm. and figuring out how to make it happen. So you know, for me, when I first started this, the big motivator was economic, right? I wanted to regain a lot of my income. I wanted to pay down any debts I had, get out of my student loans, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I was in a lot better position to start my own business, which was a a big kind of motivator of mine. So I was able to do that. And then I eventually built a, a new company and then sold it. And that kind of gave me the capital to to purchase this land. So, you know, every single step of the way, it's been a very intentional choice of me asking myself, okay, what is the life that I want to build? Mm -hmm. And when people look at tiny houses, they often say, well, you know, I I could never do that or whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that my tiny house is just a tool. It's a tool that allowed me to get out of debt. It's a tool that allowed me to save money to then make the leap to self-employment, to sell a company and then purchase land, which was a childhood dream of mine to mm. own dirt underneath my shoe. Uh, and that was, you know, the, the long range goal and the fact that I was able to pull all that off by the age of 34 it, it is something that like none of my peers are even close to doing. Right. Um, and I'm really grateful for, and, and on. Addition to that, like I've written books, I've traveled for many months around the world and things like that. So it's been a lot of, uh, of use for me. So when it comes to kind of getting back to here to the home setting, I, I think it just needs to start with whether it's just you or a conversation with your family or your spouse or whatever the case is. is what is the life you want to build and mm-hmm. what does that look like? And also, Know that tiny houses, at least for me, is a stepping stone. It isn't my forever home. It certainly could be if it's still right for me 10, 15, 20 years later. But chances are, you know, when I get married or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, it's going to have its its final day and it's just something that I'll either rent out as an Airbnb, it may be like a, a second home somewhere, whatever the case is. Um, but it served its purpose all along the way. Yeah. And the second that it doesn't serve that purpose, then
0: it's time to move on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed, you know, that you write about that. Of course, I mean, you, on your website, you have three main categories. You have the 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 tiny house, and then you have minimalism, and then and homesteading. And I was just kind of wondering how you tied all that together. And uh, you, I see what you're saying that you know it's it's getting you to the homesteading point. And you know, ultimately, I asked that question with inside my own head having a little bit of the answer that I would give, and that's that, you know, that's your house. You know, it doesn't mean you can't have a property with buildings, you know, barn and and other things on that property as well. Just, you know, it's not just about the tiny house itself. That's where you sleep and spend a little bit of time. But, uh, you know, like me, I spend most of my time outside anyway. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be your entire life inside that house is what I'm getting, I guess. So, uh, you know, I I see it as being a stepping stone. I think that's great how you're looking at it. And I think for a lot of, uh, young people, it, uh, or people just starting out in life, it could be a, a really good option if done right, uh, like you did and, uh, you know, enable them to, uh, to have some things in life or to get to some places in life quicker than what they would otherwise be there. And uh, yeah, I absolutely see in that uh, being a, something that could happen with uh with tiny living, minimalistic living because we do we're so we're so materialistic uh, as a people that you know it just um people just want their stuff, you know, and and in yeah. the end it, it you know I'm I'm mid 40s and uh, I see pretty clearly now what I didn't see you know 20 years ago and that's that, that stuff really isn't all that important, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I get what you're saying there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean I think with tiny houses it did give me that perspective of, okay, what is really important? And I, I I mean, I knew some of it, but then I think it really reaffirmed in my mind and cemented my, you know, my, my resolve in it of what really was important. And, you know, for me, that's relationships and, you know, having creative outlets and things like that. Uh, and then kind of working after these, these goals and dreams I had. So yeah, I mean, however you need to get it done, you get it done, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now you've seen that kind of spread into your entire life, though this minimalistic, I guess, idea. I mean, you've taken it beyond just a tiny house, haven't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, like I never pegged myself really as a minimalist, Mm -hmm. but then someone said to me, you know, Ryan, you've been living in a tiny house for three years. Like you can't say you're not a minimalist. You know, it's just like they're not, they're
0: I'm mutually exclusive. Well, like in the end, you can't have very much stuff because you don't have enough, a lot of room to put it, right?
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I was, um, you know, I was kind of able to figure out exactly what I needed and, and what I didn't in that mm-hmm. process.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you feel like that—that that was part of what, uh, well, it had to be part of what enabled you to have that little bit of a freedom to be able to do these other things and get you there quicker. Also, I mean, the, the tiny house led to these other things, which contributed to that as well, right? Yeah,
1: because once I built a tiny
0: house, basically the, the ROI,
1: the return on investment Mm -hmm. for me or the, you know, time to recoup the cost was basically, uh, two years because I I looked at it and figuring out what I was spending on rent and all that kind of stuff. Basically, if I lived in my tiny house for two years, that I would have broken even if I had just been renting. And Mm -hmm. so every single day I stay in my tiny house past that two year mark, which I've been in over five now. Uh, then it, it's just money in the bank that is resources that I can spend elsewhere, like developing this land. So, mm. uh, you know, future plans here are actually to put like a, a metal building shop so that I have some larger spaces to do, you know, homesteading type of stuff. Because mm. you can only fit so many canned jars of uh, applesauce or tomatoes <laughs> right. in a tiny house.
0: Yeah, Right. Now now you're you're developing this land. does it already have a well and septic systems and things like that, or are you planning on having to do all that?
1: Yeah, so at this point, the only thing it has is a two and a half acre cleared piece of pasture basically, mm-hmm. and then uh, power to the site. and okay. it's uh, so yeah, coming up here, we're gonna be putting in a well and septic, and then I'll be building this metal shop to,
0: to kind of give me some more space. Okay, yeah, that's great. Well, then you're really going to be able to live out the, uh, the homesteading part of, uh, of your plan here uh, now that you have that land. So that will be that sounds like a perfect setup.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the, the tiny house, too, what's nice about it is you can, let's say, you know, a lot of people are in this boat is they, they save up to buy land, and they they buy the land because it's their dream you know, with a tiny house, if you're you you just roll that tiny house up in there, spend the next year, maybe two saving up for whatever's next, maybe, um, you know, to build your, your big house or whatever the thing is, but you're on the land, you're working the land. You're also understanding how the things flow in the land, you know, when it rains, where the water goes, where the, the you know, the sun comes in, sure. yeah. where, you know, the cold spots are, where the hot spots are, things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, to being able to actually like be on the land and just experience it so that I can make more informed decisions of like, okay, this is where the orchard's going to go. This is where I want to run my chickens. This is, you know, these different things.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a real good plan. Yeah, there's something to be said about being on the land and experiencing your property, you know, because uh, you can, you can uh, look from a distance all day long and you're just not going to know everything about it, but you get on there and... and and, and feel it out; it'll teach you a lot about what you got going on there. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks to me like from your website you've written some books, so you've taken some steps to help others uh, kind of go down this path as well, uh, teaching them how to, you know, basically build a tiny home, right?
1: Yeah. So I have a couple books, um, and, and kind of how the the whole website started was when I began. No one was talking about it. There wasn't a lot of resources out there for people, so I had to struggle through it and figure out on my own how to build this thing. And I wanted to basically be helpful to others. And that's kind of how the website started was just sharing my story and my knowledge. And then eventually that led to books and a conference and all sorts of other ventures Mm -hmm. to kind of help people do that. So we have six eBooks, two print books uh, through a traditional publisher and then I have two
0: self-published books as well. Okay, wow. Now, I see just the titles I see on your main page of your website. Uh, you, you, it looks like you, you're dealing specifically with building the house. But you also talk about the codes and things like that. And I think that would be a really important one for, for some folks.
1: Yeah, codes are the Achilles heel of tiny houses. <laughs> and, and just to be like 100% you know, transparent with folks, like my tiny house is built to code, but is not inspected. Therefore, mm. it is technically illegal. Yeah. Uh, so at any point, the county could roll up to my house and slap a, a sticker on the door saying it's condemned and that I can't live there anymore. Fortunate for me, I can just move, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I can yeah. do so in a, in a day.
0: And that uh, probably varies from state to state on how they do that too. Probably county does. to county, a matter of fact, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's county to county. And that's what is tricky about giving advice with building codes is there's over 3,300 municipal counties in the United States. Each one of them is different. Each one of them changes every single year. So what's true in one spot isn't true in the other.
0: And and you got a house that can be moved (laughs) to one of those other counties at any point. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I have friends who...
1: Uh, their house is technically illegal, and the way that the permitting and, and all, all the citations and things like that, it's by by parcel address, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to you know to camp in one on one parcel for 30 days, and what they did is they just bought two, a, a lot with two parcels on it, and the the inspector would come out and say you can't be camping here for more than 30 days, and they say cool, they hook up their truck. And they drive it like 10 feet across the parcel line oh, wow. and they're now on a new parcel. And then 30 days later, the guy comes out and they back it up 10 feet across that line, <laughs> you know, and eventually the they lose them. It's so like, well, yeah. he's not breaking the law. So
0: yeah, uh, if they ever wanted to push it, I'm sure change oh, rules yeah. I mean, they changed some, somehow. Absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I usually do, but yeah, I can see, you know, you, you do what you can while you can, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, and then hopefully while you're, you know this is all happening you're like getting buddy buddy with with the inspector right. and um you know the thing is like the, the building inspectors they actually really like tiny houses because mm-hmm. they're they're realistic when it comes to housing in America especially in c- cities because density is growing and we need a way to do what's basically called urban infill so how can we take you know let's say a city is 50,000 I don't know, or 10,000 square miles. I don't know what a normal city square mileage is, but whatever that number is, uh, you basically, they're, they're trying to figure out ways to up density. And in Mm -hmm. some cases, they're trying to figure out how can we double the number of people that we fit into these, these urban spaces? And tiny houses are a really great way for you to roll a tiny house into someone's backyard. And you basically just double the occupancy on that lot. So. Mm Uh, you know, building inspectors know this, and they're they're they see this as a coming problem, especially in urban uh, scenarios. So they're embracing it. It's just you know sometimes their hands are tied with the way the building codes are. But we've made strides in that regard. We were just it was about a year ago we're accepted into the International Residential Code, which is basically the governing body that kind of trickles down to every single major. City and, and town in the United States. Uh, so we're now tiny houses are officially named in the appendix and it's just a matter of adoption, uh, for each city. So, uh,
0: there's steps being made there. It seems to me that, and I heard a lot of discussion about this in the past, that one of the, one of the benefits, so to speak, of, of tiny houses was the mobility and being on wheels, uh, made it, you know, to where you didn't have to pay property taxes or, you know, I was a lot of people would talk about it, it. You know, in some places that was the case that you could park that thing on somebody's property and get out of the property taxes. Uh Is that still the case or have they done a lot of laws to change that?
1: Yeah. So the kind of the way it's dealt with is I pay property tax on the actual trailer. Mm, yeah. Uh so there there are taxes being paid and
0: it's not uh, considered a home at that point for the tax.
1: Right. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. it's a trailer. So it, it's it's taxed like a trailer and, and there's ways that they reassess it for a higher value. Uh, uh but with the adoption basically that's one that's kind of the the deal, right? Is <clears throat> cities give you uh a a legal Leg or legal right to to live in these things, but then what they get out of the deal is well now we get to tax you, so um, it, it goes both ways and yeah. and it just
0: we'll get there eventually. I, I, I figured that was probably the case that they would try to change that because it seemed to me that was the reason a lot of people were were going. The, the tiny house way for a long time was just to kind of get around some of the, you know, the legalities of paying a lot of taxes and things. But, you know, I, I still think it's, I, I find it fascinating. Me and my wife, we watched the, the tiny house, uh, TV shows, you know, all the time. And I remember there was one on Netflix here a couple of years ago that we really enjoyed a young man building one. And it just, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of, you know, stuff and it's always been fascinating to us. It's never been realistic for us. I mean, we had sure. three daughters and things like that. So it was never <laughs> yeah. something we was going to pursue, but always been somewhat fascinated. By it, and you know, my my uh, daughters are in their twenties now, and I, you know, I've often thought I think it'd be pretty cool if uh, they kind of went up, down a path like that, to, to like you did, to save money and and set themselves up, um, you know, for getting what they want out of life a little quicker. So I think it's, I do think it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially with my generation, you know, employment like a traditional employment option, you don't work for a company for, you know. Your whole life or even mm-hmm. in some cases, even 10 years, right? In fact, now it's, it's more the case that they're not even hiring people as employees. They're, they're trying to do everyone as contractors. Yeah, right. So the reality of what many millennials face when it comes to employment is, uh, you know, I may be really good at my job, but. Uh, it could be that I'm here for two or three years and then I have to move four states over for two or three years and then I have to move, you know, in a different direction for two or three years. And, you know, if you're able to just take your house and move with it, uh that that could be a huge win. And then you're also reducing your living costs by a lot uh so that maybe you can put down 50 percent on a home instead of, you know, five or 10 percent. Or even now I hear people are able to get zero down on home. So, uh, you know, you can p- just make your financial picture much better when you're a younger person and just the realities of the world we're living in, uh, kind of almost necessitate in some cases. Sure. Uh, but I, I did want to mention one thing is like, even though I am a proponent of tiny houses. Uh, I don't think it's for everyone. In fact, I think it's probably for a small minority of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what I, I think that tiny houses hopefully offer to the broader country or, the, or, or world or your listeners is it, just like, okay, there's alternatives out there. And I think homesteaders get that, right? Like, yeah. We, instead of getting fast food every single day, we're growing tomatoes. Instead of you know, buying stuff that's flown in from Brazil, we're eating with the seasons, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think the larger impact will be just, you know, getting people to open their eyes to different options and then sure. asking those
0: questions of like, what's right for me? Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, okay, so let's just say someone's listening to this and they're saying, I love this. This is the way I want to go. You know, I'm just starting off in life or or maybe I'm later in life, but you know, I'm trying to get back on my feet and I think this is a good way to go. What's their first steps? What are they, other than getting your books, which I would advise, what's the, what's the next steps they need to, uh, to take to start heading down this path? Yeah.
1: So what I would say is probably the first step would be to try to get your finances in order. Mm -hmm. If, if they're not already, you know, get on a budget work on any debts that you have, uh, you know, paying them down. Uh, Dave Ramsey is a really mm-hmm. good resource yeah, for that.
0: Really
1: good. Yeah. So, uh, I, I always point people to that. Um, uh, because one of the things is that just because you move into a tiny house, like pe- people think like you move into a tiny house and like this magic wand gets waved mm-hmm. and all your life problems go away and it, it's not true.
0: I love it that you're saying this, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I figured you were going to start off with just some, some step-by-step building, uh, ways to get started actually building something, but I love it that you're starting here. This is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you're building a life, right? Mm-hmm. You, yes. There's, you're building a home in that process, but you're trying to build a life and you're trying to build that the best life for yourself. And When it comes to that, I mean, money is the number one cause of divorce. It's a huge stress factor. It makes us really unhappy. And if you're able to, you know, I'm not saying become a minimalist and live in a a sparse apartment or something like that, but I'm saying have a healthy relationship with your money, get out of debt so that you're paying everything with cash or, or at least, you know, the majority of things, you're not carrying a balance on your credit card. If a $500 bill pops up, You're not scrambling what, wondering where you're going to pay that from. And then from there, you know, ask those questions of like, you know, what, what do I want my life to be? What do I want more in my life of? What do I, what do I want less of in my life? And, you know, just do some thinking around that. And and then at that point, I would say ask yourself, now that you kind of have this picture of, of the life that you want, does tiny houses even fit into that? Because if the answer is no, then I don't want you in a tiny house. I want you to do right. what's right for you. And if the answer is okay, a tiny house is uh, the answer, or it is a stepping stone to what I want to do. Then you know, from there, what I would do is start downsizing your possessions. Uh, it doesn't. You don't. Have, again, you don't have to live like a super sparse minimalist or anything like that. But you know, Americans have a lot of stuff in their homes and. It's the reason why the self-storage industry is a booming industry. Um, it's the fact that uh, the average American family household carries $13,000 of credit card debt. It's why 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also why that of the items that come into your house, 80% of them won't be used within six months. So, we just need to get, get a reorientation around how our, our relationship with stuff and material possessions. Uh, having things isn't bad. Buying things isn't bad. It's just that we need to make sure we're doing it in a way that is helpful for us. And, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, I've been living in 150 square feet for, you know, five and a half years now. Uh, I still am trying to work on this myself. You know, this isn't like a destination. It's, it's a journey. So this year I'm actually not buying anything other than food and like, you know, toiletries, toilet paper and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, no, like just items. And, and the reason was, is because I realized that even though I did buy a lot, The things I did buy weren't getting me closer to my goals. And if they're not getting closer to my goals, then they're getting in the way of them. So, uh, that would be the next step for you is to just, you know, kind of declutter, uh, downsize a little bit. If you live, you know, in a large apartment, maybe the next year when you re-up your lease, try a smaller apartment and kind of go from there. And then from there, I would start thinking about, what do you need a house to do for you? And this is where, like, for homesteading comes in. It could be that, like, I need a big kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Because I got a
0: can, you
1: know? Right. Like, how many, how many cans or jars of, you know, whatever do you typically can a year?
0: Uh, at least a couple
1: hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So the practicality is you need a certain size kitchen just to, do that in, Uh and then you need a a certain size pantry to put and store all that stuff in. And if that's the life that you want to build, then you need to design a house that meets that need. Uh And what's great about tiny houses is that uh, we have the opportunity to do that. Most homes that we live in aren't built for us. They're, they're built for a market segment. You know, it's the three bedrooms, uh, you know, two and a half baths, or whatever the market is. You know, it's mm-hmm. stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, these buzzwords that you see that realtors put on their mm-hmm. their spec sheets. So, when it comes to building a, your own home, it's really amazing that you get the, this chance to build something that is exactly right for you. Uh, so, you know, as a homesteader, think about what you need to do in your home, what the function needs to be and then you come up with a design, and then from there, you know, there's a lot of technical bits. You can check out my website. There's a ton. Mm-hmm. There's 1,200 posts for free on my website, so you don't have to spend a dime. Uh, if you do want to grab a book, uh, I have a really good book. It's called How to Build a Tiny House, and that's
0: all the technical bits on it. Mm-hmm. That's great, yeah. And, you know, you're talking about you said a whole bunch of things there that kind of hit hit home for me, like having too much stuff for one thing. I mean, we have <laughs> we have stuff we don't use, you know. We really do, and and uh, I we've been talking a lot about getting rid of a lot of things, you know, because well, we've lived in this house for uh, twenty six years, I think now, and uh, yeah. you just accumulate a lot of stuff, you know, and and we, we have, and it, it's time to really uh, declutter and get rid of some of that stuff. But uh, you know, and we we even have a storage building with stuff mm-hmm. in it, you know, uh, that we rent every month. And, and I look at that and I go, wow, you know, that's stuff we're not even using. I mean, a lot yeah. of seasonal stuff, you know, something for winter or whatever, but still, you know, it's, it's just more stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and when you were talking about building, uh, your tiny home and setting it up for you. You know, so often even in these neighborhoods where everybody's getting a big home built, a lot of times the the neighborhood dictates what kind of home you build, how big it is, how many bathrooms it has, how many square feet it is, and even our own, I don't know, we get this uh, influence of thinking because we step into other people's homes and it may not be what we want it's just that we look at other people's things and go i want what they have you know right and and it's a mindset thing that yeah i think um you know homesteaders especially should should try to get past that because we are trying to not live the normal life you know we're trying to live a life that that looks unusual to people you know one that's um you know more efficient more self-sufficient and uh so I think a tiny home definitely a uh, designing a tiny home building your tiny home could definitely fit into that uh, that mold
1: yeah and I mean a tiny home I live in 150 square feet there's there's no rules here I mean there's building codes but uh, other than that there are no rules so yeah. if a tiny home for you is a thousand square feet then it's a thousand square feet call that's a that's it tiny lot. Right. yeah I don't care you know and, and practically you you have a family so that needs to be taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be living in a 200 square feet. It's right. just not practical,
0: right? Some, I've, I've seen people that we've seen people that that do that with a family, and that's <laughs> yeah. kind of amazing to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing with the, the dirty little secret with all the the shows that they have on it is. About a third of them end up on up for sale, like a, a used tiny yeah, kind of house sales I, thing, I very quickly. That.
0: I bet they don't get their money back out of some of them places either, as much as they, they do for. Them. No. no way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's some great advice. Uh, I think yeah, what you're doing there is is uh, is great for folks who are, who are wanting to go down this path. I like, think, uh, like I said, browsing around your website, man, it's a great website. You got some great information in there. You've done a great job on that. Uh, You've Got a few books for sale. I think people ought to get those if they're interested. And uh, pursuing that because I think uh, paying a few bucks for a book could definitely save you a lot of money down the road if you're going down this path. Uh, I bet you wish you'd have had some of your books back when you first started uh, building your tiny home.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I have people they come to my conference. I charge three hundred fifty bucks for the conference, and they say it's worth every penny because I know that's that's about two thousand dollars of mistakes that I won't make. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, good, it's good investment for most people. Yeah, I could definitely see that being a case. Well,
0: uh, anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, wrap it up?
1: Uh, no, I, I mean, I think we hit most of what I was thinking about. You know, just uh, kind of think about what's right for you and then figure out uh, the life you want to lead and how your house can meet that need. Because at the end of the day, your house is there to serve you, not the other way around. And I think we've kind of gotten lost on that. Uh, kind of relationship with our homes, right? It used to be, it was just a a thing that empowered our lives to build a, you know, a house. Uh, It wasn't just a house. It was to build a home, which meant family and relationships
0: and memories and things like that. So I've often said that many times about turning a home into a homestead is, you know, a home is kind of a taker, but a homestead is a giver. It's a provider. It's giving you something back, you know, but we build these homes today that they're just takers. I mean, it, you know, it takes our resources. It takes our time. They take, you know, whatever we have. It just, it just sucks it out of us rather than being a provider for us. And your home should, your, your home should be serving you and yeah, not the other way around. So well said. Yeah. So well, I sure do appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Can you just throw out your information there about where folks can find out more about you and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can check me out at the tiny com. And I'm on Twitter at Ryan T. Mitchell and uh, Facebook at The Tiny Life as well. That's awesome.
0: Well, thanks again, Ryan, for coming on. It's great, great, great information today. And I think some folks will really get a lot out of it. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that was a great interview uh, with Ryan. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I love uh, how practical he is about that you know it isn't something he's trying to say this is for everybody he's not dogmatic about it saying everybody should do this matter of fact he says very few people should be doing this but for those who are interested in uh in pursuing tiny house homesteading what a what great advice ryan gives for that uh following that uh what he says there at the end, you know, about just really evaluating your situation, getting out of debt, doing all those things first before you ever, uh, you know, drive the first uh, nail into a piece of wood building a home. So, and that's just great advice, you know, across the board, really, you know, even if you're not looking at tiny houses, just really evaluate what you want out of life before you start chasing it. Um, You know, I mean, because uh, so many pursue the homesteading lifestyle, not really knowing exactly what they want what they really want is just some freedom in their life and you know that can look like a lot of different things so uh just you know really evaluate what you want out of life before you start pursuing it and then then pursue it with all your heart with all your passion just like ryan did so i did want to tell you something uh ryan uh afterwards uh uh, sent me an email and he really wanted to uh to tell you about something that he's worked on and i'm gonna tell you what i went and checked this out and uh you want to go look at this it's the uh the complete solar oven guide he has put together it, it looks like a great resource for anyone considering purchasing or building a solar oven he's done all the hard work for you you know if you're wondering which one to pick he's got that all like laid out what are you looking for in a solar oven uh, go check out the complete solar oven guide great resource uh obviously something he's he's kind of passionate about is uh cooking with a solar oven and uh he has put a lot of work into this guide so go check it out and if you've thought about building your own solar oven he's got some plans in there you can uh, you can get as well so go check that out I do think that's a great resource that is in the recommendation section of today's uh show notes so uh, the show notes today are at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash one oh four and also i got links in there to ryan's website his facebook page his twitter handle um also uh there's a link in there for uh, dave ramsey's how to get out of debt using a debt snowball system Uh, you can check that out if that's something you're interested in and some links to uh, some of uh, Ryan's books. So go and check all the ad out. Uh, Great interview. Thanks for coming on the show today, Ryan, and uh, and all the great information that you offered the listeners. Uh, This podcast is made possible by those who join our Homestead Forum membership community. To learn more about the benefits of membership, just go to thehomesteadforum.com, check all that out. And I really appreciate you guys joining me today. And until the next episode, happy homesteading. And God bless.
1: Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to SmalltownHomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow. Thank mm-hmm. you.